0: The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Glad you've joined us today. We're ready to study the Bible with you and hopefully we'll all learn a little bit more about our Bibles. There's a phone number and a website on the screen. What that's for is for you to tell us. What you'd like us to talk about. You get to answer, uh, ask the questions, and we'll try to find some answers for you in the Bible. Maybe you've got a specific question about a, a verse that you've always wondered what it meant. Uh, maybe about a doctrine. Is that really in the Bible? A uh, verse that you've always heard and wondered, does the Bible really say that? Or maybe it's something in your life, your family, the uh, work, uh, the current events, the news that you wonder what would God say about that? We'll try to find you an answer in the Bible. So that's the way this program works, and you direct it. So use the phone number, website, anytime to get in touch with us. Toby Levering is back. Good morning, Toby. I see Toby's here and studied up, and I'm Steve Tandy, and we're ready to try to answer some questions, but we always start with one that you can work on during the program. And here's our question today. How many times did the Army... Circle Jericho. Before the walls of Jericho fell, how many times did the Israelites march around it? And I'll give you a warning. Make sure you get your final answer. It's a little tricky question. (laughs) So uh, study it a little bit before you answer. All right, Toby, looks like you drew the first one. So explain a verse.
1: I will do it. Please explain Matthew 5.17. And let's start by putting Matthew 5.17 on the screen. Do not think. This is Jesus speaking here. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now, to understand this, we understand, first of all, Matthew was written to the Jewish people. They were, they were, lived under the law. They practiced the law. They did their best. In fact, this is written in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, I think the whole theme of the Sermon on the Mount actually occurs just a few verses later where Jesus says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, the f- scribes and the Pharisees, for as much as we pick on them, they, their life's purpose was to live under the law as best they could and to obey and yield to it as much as they could. And Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount listen, the, the scribes and the Pharisees are focused about outward, they're focused all on the outside. And I'm telling you, there's a deeper meaning to righteousness and it has to be on the inside. Now, when Jesus says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, He's speaking to them and He's saying, listen, I'm not coming up with a new teaching here, okay? I'm not coming up with a different doctrine or a different set of standards or rules than what you've already known. Um, I have not come to abolish them, but I've come to fulfill them. And what he means by that is you know, the law of God and the prophets did, as you read through you know Genesis through Malachi and and the law specifically and the prophecies, you, you get this idea that God is holy and that we are not. And that's, that's kind of repeated again and again, this in one form or another. Here's God's holy standard, and here's our inability to meet that standard. And because we can't meet that standard, the law condemns us to death. That's the, that's the punishment the only just punishment for sin is death so uh, there's a problem there because God's holy and yet we're not. We there's nothing we can do of ourselves to attain His holiness. The prophet Isaiah says that our righteousness uh, to God is like a pile of filthy rags. I mean, it's just it's it's even the best we can do is disgusting in God's sight. Uh, some people you you may hear the idea. Well, you know, I just think be a good person, live by the Ten Commandments, which sounds pretty good. Except. <laughs> The problem with that is, number one, nobody's ever kept all ten commandments. And number two, uh, the law says that when you break one of those commandments, there's a a punishment that it's due you. What do you do with that? What's the problem when you can't keep all ten or all 611 as there actually are commands in the law? There's a problem. And so Jesus came to fulfill the legal requirements, the legal demands of, of God's perfect standard. So between God's holiness and our inability to be holy, God, Jesus, fills, fulfills the gap between us and God so that God can remain just and merciful and gracious. Uh, and so that's what he's saying. He I'm not coming to do away with it. I have come to live and fulfill every single demand given by the law so that you and I can be declared righteous, not under the law, but through Christ. Let's read Romans chapter 10, verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And that's what Matthew chapter 5, 17 is pointing us to, to Christ.
0: All right. Interesting question here. Viewer says, uh, does a man is to live by the sweat of his brow, does that apply to welfare? All right. I think I know what our viewer is asking here. So let's see if we can find the biblical principle on this. Uh, first of all, man living by the sweat of his brow, having to work for a living, uh, is back in Genesis chapter 3, it's part of the curse. Uh, after Adam and Eve sinned, they were cursed with certain things, and one of them was it would be harder to make a living. Uh, Adam and Eve had it pretty good in the garden. Now, they had to care for the garden, but that was uh, obviously more entertainment and uh, recreation uh, and enjoyable than really sweating for a living and as a result of the sin they were cursed with all right you're going to have to work for your living from now on it's going to be hard and uh, that's the curse now does that apply to giving somebody welfare Paying them, uh, even if they don't work. Well, we got to go a little deeper than just the curse. we got to understand what Christian principles are. And here's one verse that's got two Christian principles in it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Uh, Paul told the Ephesians, who were new Christians, they said, he said, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. All right, the two principles in there are Christian work ethic. You don't steal, you work. You do something useful with your own hands. And then the other principle is Christian charity. And one thing you do when you work and earn money is you've got something to share with somebody in need. All right, so those two Christian principles there is a work ethic. There is also a principle of Christian charity. Now, let's read one more verse, and then we'll try to put it all together. Second Thessalonians 3.10. Uh, they had some people in Thessalonica that were lazy. They weren't working. They were letting the church support them. And Paul said, even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Uh, stop supporting these people who will not work. All right, now, there's there's a key there. It says people who will not work. It doesn't say people who cannot work. It says will not work. So they were able to work, but they wouldn't. And Paul's solution for that is, well, quit giving them food. Quit paying them. And he, he didn't mean he wanted them to starve to death, but he knew human nature. He understood that if you go hungry for a day or two, you'll figure out, Well, I better find a way to make a living. Nobody's handing it to me anymore. I'm going to have to work. All right, that's the principle. But bear in mind, he said, will not work, not cannot work. So let's put it all together. Yes, Christians are supposed to work, but we are also supposed to share with those who are in need, but we're not supposed to help people who are able to work but will not work. So there's the Christian principle. Now, we used to do that in families. We used to do that in churches. The church had poor houses and workhouses and took care of people that really would not work but needed help and all that. The further we get away from one on one, the more we make it a well a government program, the harder it gets to tell the difference between somebody who will not work and cannot work. And that's even harder. At face-to-face level sometimes uh, in the church we support people we help people benevolence we call it we help people that need help well sometimes there's people that we think okay they could work a little harder than they're working uh, they're being a little lazy here and that's hard to deal with it's hard to understand well when you make that a government agency it gets even harder it's it real hard so there yes there's a lot of welfare fraud uh, there's fraud in churches (laughs) sometimes Uh, but there's the principles christians are supposed to work if they're able to and we're supposed to make enough so that we can help people that need some help and are in need so that applied to the government welfare system is hard to apply but we christians need to keep the christian principles and uh, remember all that all right
1: good answer uh next question is if god says do not kill how do we defend ourselves and family if it requires deadly force? Okay, well, the first thing we have to understand is that they're really not a place where God said don't kill. That's a, probably a mistranslation of the original. Um, and then we'll speak to the larger concept of uh, the idea of self-defense and some things to think through. Um, first is there's not an all-encompassing verse on this subject requires a little thinking and discernment and wisdom, Uh, we can see some principles, some ideas all throughout Scripture. So let's share those together. Uh, One is God forbids shedding innocent blood. He wants uh, innocent human life to be protected. Um, Exodus chapter twenty, verse thirteen. One of the well-known Ten Commandments: "You shall not murder." Now, I know there's one translation: "Thou shalt not kill," uh, but uh, the uh, uh, I, and I've done a lot of research on the original language and all of that. The the idea there is murder, the taking of innocent life. Uh, there were and we, and we we can think through this logically without having to be a language scholar, just understanding that under the old law, there was the death penalty. There was uh, allowances for when people were to be... Killed when they were, you know, people who were who were shedding innocent blood, people who were murdering or committing other heinous acts. So we know that there were times when human life was to be ended, but for innocent life, the taking of innocent life that was absolutely condemned. And uh, the the better translation of Exodus twenty thirteen is, "You shall not murder." Um, so the Bible never forbids self defense. In fact, we are to defend innocent life, uh, and protect it and stand up for it, and even if that means our own life or our family's life. Principle number two, uh, live peaceably if that is possible. Um, many personal offenses can simply be overlooked and let go. Uh, Jesus taught, and, and is well known, Matthew chapter 5, uh, about turning the other cheek. You've heard it was said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but I say to you, Do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Uh, If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have it. Uh, If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, this is not speaking toward uh, the situation of of deadly force. This is just a principle of Christ followers. Uh, Generally speaking, we're to try to live at peace with other people and personal relationships. You know, take the slight, be offended, uh, uh, live peaceably if at all possible. Let's read Romans chapter 12. 17 through 19, this will be on the screen. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So, again your Your goal is to keep peace and uh, to live at peace with others where that 's possible. Now you bring up a person you know defending yourselves and the family if, if someone wants to break into your home and and threaten your life or the life of your family, uh, uh, I believe you have uh, an obligation to protect your family to protect yourself now. Um, if that requires ending their life and they give you no other option, I think you're justified in doing that. Uh, if you, you know, bring out your firearm and, and they see that and they scatter, you know, I think you just let them leave. You know, let, give the opportunity to have peace. But if there will not be some to have, we need to protect innocent life. And that's the third principle. You gotta protect innocent life. And, and I don't think there's, I mean, scripture's pretty clear on that. Jesus, in fact, told his own disciples in Luke Chapter 22, verse 36. If you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Uh, he, in this context, he, he knew his followers were going to be threatened, and he upheld their right to self-defense. Now, we, we know that not in every situation did he allow them to use that, but he knew that there were times when that might be necessary, and he encouraged them to do that. So, don't shed innocent blood, God forbids that. To live peaceably, if at all possible. And number three, protect innocent life, including your own and that of your family. So, some principles to get. We don't have an all encompassing verse, but hope that helps us think through a little bit about uh, deadly force and self defense. That helps.
0: All right. Good Bible study there. And it's interesting to study the Bible. Some of our questions take a, just one verse, and that answers it. Some of our questions you gotta dig a little deeper and put some thoughts together and that's why we think bible study is so important and that's why we think folks ought to study the bible in their own homes uh, by yourself with your bible and see what it has to say to you so we advocate home bible study we know that's hard for a lot of people to get started but we've got some ways that'll help you Uh, Here's a set of lessons that are just a good overview of the Bible. Start with the Old Testament, the New Testament, the difference between them. We've got more advanced courses that uh, study the life of Jesus, the book of Acts, the uh, history of the Bible, lots of interesting things about the Bible. we're glad to provide those to you absolutely free of charge. And we've also got some online courses that are also free. Just log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org and uh, you can start studying the Bible immediately. Uh, right on your PC or tablet or phone and uh, learn a lot about the Bible. All of that is free of charge, no cost to you. We even pay the postage if you take the, the mail lessons. Uh, there's a phone number and a website on the screen. Use those just Sign up, say I'd like to take this course We'll never put you on a mailing list We'll never bother you in any way and We'll certainly never ask you for money So uh, if you want to study the Bible We'd like to help you Give us a call or log on Alright, viewer asked a question How can someone get rid of same-sex feelings? Well, that's certainly a... Uh, Culture kind of question today Uh, a few years ago it wouldn't have been that difficult to answer because it's just uh, been turned into a a right a natural thing by our society instead of even thinking that well I want to overcome this Uh, pop culture today would tell you why would you want to get over it Uh, it's natural that's the way god made you will just give into it and enjoy it but this viewer uh, understands that the bible says certain things are sinful there are sinful acts Uh, and he has or she has uh, some desire to commit a sinful act that the bible talks about and they want to know how do i get rid of that feeling well Let's understand first that the Bible condemns sinful acts. The Bible doesn't condemn being tempted. In fact, it admits we're all tempted by things. In fact, let me read James chapter 1. I should have put this on the screen so you could see it, but let me read it. Verse 13, James 1. Uh, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So, that God's not at fault. He, he didn't give you these sinful desires, whatever the sinful desire is. Then James says, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desires. That means we each have different evil desires. I'm tempted by things that Toby's not tempted by, and he's tempted by things I'm not tempted by, and this viewer's tempted by things that somebody else might not be tempted by. His own evil desire. He's dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So if you give in to that feeling, if you allow it to take over, then you sin. You commit the sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. All right. So that explains the process. So our viewers are saying, all right, I've got this desire to sin. How do I get rid of that desire? Well, The best way I can answer that is just change same-sex attraction, same-sex feelings, to any sin. Uh, How do I get rid of the desire to commit any sin? The same answer uh, will apply. It would be the same answer if somebody wrote in and said, How do I uh, get over opposite-sex attraction?" I'm attracted to, I'm a man and I'm attracted to women and I want to have sex with them. How do I get over that feeling? Well, exactly the same answer. Whatever sin you want to plug in there. Uh, The Bible says that we'll battle sin, we'll have these temptations. But it says the Spirit helps us, the Spirit empowers us to overcome sin, and we have to cooperate with the Spirit, we have to work at it. Okay, let me show you a couple of verses that teach that real clearly. Romans 8, 13 says, Paul says, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. There's two parts there. You do it by the Spirit, but you put them to death. So you've got to cooperate. There's Your desire, your work, your struggle is part of it. But the Spirit helps you, empowers you. And then Galatians 5.22 describes the fruit of the Spirit, and it's got a lot of things in there, love, joy, peace, all that. But one of the fruit, part of the fruit of the Spirit, is self-control. If you live by the Spirit, if you work by the Spirit, if you cooperate with the Spirit and do the things that make you more holy, one of the things you'll develop is self-control. So I'm not able to give... Anybody that asks that question whatever sin they plug in I can't say just do this and tomorrow you won't have that desire anymore no it's going to take a while it's going to take some work and the spirit will have to empower you Uh, but it can be overcome it can be defeated so the sin the the desire is not the sin Uh, the desire is what we have to work on overcoming to avoid the sin so hope that helps understand that and any sin that you want to plug in there, that's the right answer. All right, Toby. Good
1: uh, okay, a question. Uh, does the Bible allow for harsh treatment to those coming into this country illegally? Okay, well, this is kind of one of those things we have to think about. Uh, there are some scriptures in the Old Testament that were written to the Israelite people. And they are directed to them to think about foreigners and people who would come in to their country. I'm just going to read one from Exodus 22. This won't be on the screen, but you can look it up at home. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they'd cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. Okay, Exodus 22 Speaking about, I think, personal harsh treatment of other people, people who were not, uh, who were foreigners, people who were not uh, uh, native Israelites. And uh, the Bible's clear, God wants uh, those people to be treated with love and respect and and not to be harsh or to abuse anybody. So, if you want to think about it that way, and I suppose there's probably not too many people where that would happen and where you have someone coming into your country who c- comes in illegally and, and that you have an opportunity to, you know, they come through your yard or something like that, maybe you have an opportunity to help. That's an Old Testament kind of principle. Now, there's a different way to think about this, and and in our world, in our culture, this is kind of how it's been brought up of, well, you know, people disagree with how the government, those in authority, are handling those who come across the border illegally. It's a challenging problem. Um, It creates a lot of challenges that and unintended consequences some people just say well just let anybody who comes across in and well at some point that's hard to sustain a government has to is is committed to care for its citizens and protect them and then you have other people who are not citizens and they're cutting in front of line and people who are trying to become citizens legally it it's a big challenge uh and the bible doesn't have a a, a verse for that situation i think we need to think through it with wisdom Um, but we need to understand a couple of things. Number one, uh, the Bible does give government the authority to, and is an authority that's been established by God. They have the authority to make laws, to enforce justice, to keep order. And they are also, as a... Part of that authority, given the authority to punish lawbreakers, you and I know this if we 're speeding down the road, going ten miles an hour of the speed limit, and we see those red and blue lights. They have the authority to give you a ticket now you might t- think that ticket is harsh, you may not agree with it. But they're in authority. They're the ones who get to decide those things. So that's true with all sorts of laws. And uh, as Christians, as Christ followers, uh, especially living in this country, we are to obey the laws. Uh, That's the best way to avoid punishment is to obey the laws. And so people coming across illegally, they take the risk of uh, because they are coming in illegally of breaking the law and facing the punishment. So... Uh, governments have that right to set those laws and those consequences and if people are caught then they will face those consequences. Christians should be people who obey, uh, the governing authorities. Whether or not they agree with those governing authorities and if you want to read more on that read Romans 13. Let's look at one verse on the screen first Peter chapter 2. Peter says this, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. So Bible speaks a little bit about personal behavior, but doesn't give us an all-encompassing verse for uh, public policy and all of that. But we are to obey those in authority, and if we don't, we will face the punishment and the consequences. So, hope that helps uh, helps you think through it a little bit. All righty,
0: let me close today by inviting you to visit a Church of Christ. Uh, this program is kept on the air by churches of christ and we like to mention a few each week that uh, do help support us and today let me mention one in emporia kansas the emporia church of christ and the eureka church of christ if you live close to one of those communities uh, there's a group of christians there that think and study a lot like we do on this program and they'd certainly warmly welcome you if you want to drop in uh, maybe if you live in those communities you know somebody that worships at that Church of Christ, uh, tell them sometime when you see them. Hey, I saw you advertised on Know Your Bible the other day. I watched that program and enjoy it, and thanks for keeping it on the air for us. All right, let me uh, answer our trivia question today, and it was about how many times did the Army circle Jericho? It's a little bit of a trick question because they circled it seven times on the last day. Uh, But they went around one time the six days before that. So you add them all up, and they actually went around 13 times. Hope you got that one right. We're glad you've been with us today. Uh, We're going to be back next week and try to answer some more questions, and we hope that you can be back then. Until then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area.